out for Brad Tangi. Oh, Gutherson with a catch and I think he scored. Quinn Gutherson takes possession cleanly. Give him a try. In the old days, this would have been no try because the corner post would have negated a try. Well, well it, said try. It, it's got to be a try. We've it isn't a try. We've had 100 views. If it's Quinn Gutherson up, maintains possession of the ball and grounds it in the end goal. We have a decision. There we oh, go. Well done. So there's the try. 20 points to four. I'll be in the last place now. They slide down the ladder four against Wise and they're back to 16th. But Melbourne... Welcome back to another edition of the Parrot Podcast. This week, I am joined by Birdie. Hey, how's it going? Forty. Hola. And Ham. Yep. And it's Hamish, your host, uh, to wrap up the round. Oh shit! What we're we up to? Twenty-three action uh, in the NRL. Uh, look at the ISP RM Cup uh, with Ron Massey having a shock loss in that in that um, game. Bo Henry was back, but he couldn't save them. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Um, Shield jumping into the news with, of course, this morning um, the salary cap uh, dramas, and then looking at the previous the upcoming, fake news. Um, um, the upcoming week of action. Um, so uh, we'll get on to fake news later. Um, but first, the reviews: Storm twenty, Eels four, one try scorer Gutherson. Um, which, you know, if I was on the receiving end of that try, I'd probably blow up about. We have um, been on the receiving end of that try. To be fair. I was just about to say against the That's dogs. True. No, the, the Tigers. Corey Thompson. Tigers. That's yeah, it. Corey Thompson. Because uh, the but didn't the bunkers say technically the belly of the ball would hit? That's first? right. That's the argument. Is that so, given yeah. the the over, the oval um, curvature of the ball that the belly would logically hit first? Is what their argument was. Well, that's right. Set up a try. Insufficient evidence to overturn. Uh, we'll take it that we got away with a lucky one um, in a game where. I thought the half, well, Mitch Moses was given a chance to stand up and lead the um, the team around. They certainly held their own defensively in the first half um, and had a multitude of chances in the second half, but just couldn't do anything in the red zone. They just looked, like for much of this year, lost, um, I think would be the phrase. Yeah, right, it, you guys want to touch on? It was yes. it was a hugely disappointing game, especially for Mitchell Moses, but to a lesser extent, Corey Norman. Um, as you touched on just then, neither of them or any of the spine really, which probably is unfair and read given he's a, a rook. None of them could take control of the game when it was there to be taken in the second half. We battled really hard in the first half. We made about 70-odd more tackles in the storm. So it was, you know, stands to reason that we'll fatigue, but then they had their share of injuries and bad luck in the second half. And we were, you know, had the potential to be camped in their red zone and we just couldn't do anything. Uh, funnily enough, I think my reflections on the game has probably grown more positive the further we've gotten away not because it wasn't a train wreck offensively because that's exactly what it was but this is the sort of game where I think you take more out of the tape for the young guys than you would for the Dragons victory I think you look at Reed Marnie you look at Oregon Kafusi, uh, you look at Jamin Salmon um, not so much Ray Stone because he had a rather unfortunate debut where he was thrown into a position he's not particularly comfortable with um, but you look at those guys and you see what Melbourne did to try and exploit them, and you look at what they did well in in sorry in spite of that, and you can build from there. Like Reed Money was picked on by Nelson Osofa Solomona, and he got knocked off a few times early on, but then he bounced back. Uh, the Storm went after Jamin Salmon quite obviously in the first half, and he got shuffled out to the centres in the second half when we looked to try and ignite the spine. But once again, he held he held firm. So I think it's a game that 
they will learn a lot more from these young kids than any other they've played this year. Herman Birdie, your, your initial thoughts? Um, yeah, outside of the first set, it was sort of pretty dour after that. We um, hit the right edge a couple of times with some short passes and we were looking good. And then after that, we just didn't seem to do it. I uh, thought our lack of um, middle forwards really hurt us. Uh, it, I know people have put crap on Kane Evans, but even he, just having him in the middle there, along with Terrapo, Brown and um, Vave, I think would have helped a lot with our middle attack and would have... Because we just went too sideways in the end. I think just too much sideways movement, not enough punch up the middle. But when we did go up the middle, I thought we were making a lot of ground, but our halves just wanted to play wide and... It's not where the game was going to be was going to be won. Um, I was talking to a friend on Sunday at Ringrose, and he said in the first game that we beat Melbourne last year, we went right through them. Yes, Semi um, made those three line breaks off kicks or whatever in the first ten minutes, but we went straight through them and we played right through their middle and we beat them. In in the following game, in the game now, we've tried to go around them every single time and it's not working. We need to go right through them because there's you know, there was places to win the game and we just we just didn't do it. Um, and I thought, you're saying going wide wasn't an option, but I, I don't think we ever tested out our left edge um, in that second half when Vudavalu didn't we, come out and you had Chambers on, we, on a wing. We did, Hamish, but the ball ended up with Tepe Moreau on the fifth tackle every time. So. Oh, I, I meant, uh, sorry, test out that edge in a competent way yeah. um, on <laughs> yeah, any occasion. And um, I thought we, uh, I thought Salmon should have been given a go to actually sort of run some sort of attacking structure out down there. I thought, um, and you can definitely see that in the second half where they put Norman back into that five-eighth position and Hayne moved to fullback. Um, there wasn't shown a lot of trust um, in in Salmon to even run any of those plays down that edge. And if if your view is to have him running around as your five eight next year, I'm not sure if that is the plan, but it seems to be if you're going to play him in that position week on week to to finalise the season, and all the rumours regarding Corey Norman, um, then you've at least got to sort of give him a go to actually uh, run those plays. Because um, I saw, thought we saw against the Dragons that he came close to scoring tries on a couple of occasions, um, but potentially it might just be his, his third game. He probably was, you know, hesitant to overcall Norman and Moses and Hayne and whatever else. Um, but we were just ineffective. And for anybody um, who was at that game, and sorry, Ham, but got to talk about Origin here. Uh, game 2, 2017 Origin, where there was a complete deficiency on one edge of the play. In that game, Jonathan Thurston playing with a broken shoulder. And you're just thinking, why aren't we attacking down that edge? Um, you know, you had uh, Munster in the bin for, for 10 minutes and we just didn't take uh, advantage of any of that. And um, I guess it's a fair reflection that we're currently sitting in 15th place because a lot of the a lot of this year our halves haven't done the job in that red zone. Um, Corey Norman has the most um, uh, dropout, uh, forced dropouts to his name. Um, so um, we, we've definitely got ball in that area. We just haven't made anything out of it. We just made it easy for them, man. We gave away errors. We gave them piggyback penalties. Like they got a big forward pack as it is, so they're going to be making plenty of meters. But they were making their starting their sets around the 30, 40 yard line, you know, from their from their try line. So like it was just it was easy for them. And we just by the time um, we got our share of the ball, it was too late, and we were just trying to play catch up footy, going sideways. Like I think it was like after a penalty, we went from literally from left to right. 
back to left and right. Like we just kept going back and forth. No one was going forward. So it's just, you know, I think it's just, it just frustrated us. And you know, we went back, we went back, we went back to our uh, round one to six form. You know. Uh, as much as our second half ineffectiveness probably jumps out looking back, I think there were three big moments in the first half that really defined the loss when we were trying to you know, arrest that momentum that Melbourne had both with the penalties and with the field position in that it started when Corey dropped that regulation pass off the line break. Off our, was our first set, Ham? When we made the initial line break yeah. from Jared Hayne and then on the follow-up line break, Corey dropped the ball and that was followed up by Mitchell Moses just switching off his brain and kicking out in the full. I don't even know what his plan was there. And then after that was the probably the most frustrating for me because he's not meant to be the playmaker was Brad Takarangi jumping into dummy half and on the last tackle and running it on the goal line and then trying to kick it. And I, I just had no idea what he was thinking. And that, that was probably the most pivotal moment in the first half where Melbourne, we actually looked like we had a little bit of attacking structure that set. And then Melbourne, uh, you know, just turned around. And back to that, I know you were criticizing Jamin Salmon for not getting too involved with playmaking. The, in the prelude to that play, I believe he'd actually popped up on the right edge as the extra playmaker and had run the ball. So he was getting involved there, but after that, unfortunately, he didn't get as um, hands on the ball as we would have liked. And something else to touch on, one of those pivotal moments in the first half was Michael Jennings not completing his run through the line. Oh, good point. Um, good I, point. I, know that, I know that was a dive from, from Munster. Yeah, but that but was it's, lazy it's, work from you, Jennings. It's exactly right. If you know you can't hit that outside shoulder, you've got to hit the inside shoulder and pass through the line, or otherwise it's just going to be called back. Every, well, I won't say every time because there's been a couple yeah. of occasions where um, the bunkers decide to uh, change their interpretation. But um, it's pretty black and white, and it's frustrating because he did he did that exact play against Dragons last week and went through the line and did the extras. Um, but this week he just he didn't, and you need better from your, and your senior a, players. There was a moment in the second half for Michael Jennings where Adokar flirted with the sideline on a kick return, and if Jennings had made a stronger initial effort, he could have thrown him in the touch, and unfortunately he didn't. And that's just you know emblematic, embryonic, sorry, of where he is this season, isn't it? He had some better involvement on the ball in the last couple of weeks, but mentally he's just checked out. He's not doing the off-the-ball stuff that separates the bottom teams from the top teams. And, you know, it cost Corey Norman the reply try, which would have been huge. And it cost the Eels a chance to attack in the second half because he didn't push out at a car. And, yeah, not a, not a fan, I can tell you that right now. Yeah, it's a bit sad because I thought Michael Jennings had been a lot better um, in the, the last three or four weeks. Um, but, yeah, obviously not good good enough. Um, and as Bertie was touching on, we just played tried to play... Uh, we. The scoreboard got into our minds, and we're trying to score off every play in that second half uh, without building pressure, without um, building field position, uh, because you could see with um, the the Storms bench depleted, um, and they were down to nobody on the bench at one point when one of their players went into the head bin. Uh, that if you could uh, keep that pressure on them down that end, end of the football, that they were going to be liable to crack. But I, I don't, did we have any repeat sets down in their end zone in that second half? I, I can't recall. No, I couldn't. Yeah, I wouldn't be able to tell you. Probably one or two. Oh. Nothing, nothing much after that. If there was one, it would have been off like a deflected pass or something. It wouldn't have been a forced repeat yeah, set. or a penalty. You know, nothing like... Yeah. Nothing that we, we earned outside of the referees, yeah. By the way, oh. how stupid was it when we got penalised for that drop out, the referee said he waited, waited, and he goes, "Come on, let's go." As soon as he signaled to you know kick it, the buzzer went off. So like, like, do we have to wait That's for the referee or like? You know, it's just, yeah, it's stupid. 
that's Norman's fault. He needs to do better on that. Yeah, but do we have to wait for the referee to say uh, kick it, or can we just go ahead and just kick whatever we want? Like you've just got to kick. Well, the, con- the controversy there would be whether the the uh, uh, the field displays at the stadium, Amy Park, were showing a different time, and so if they were, if they were, I could understand why the players were upset. But at the same time, you don't need to be trickling the clock down to the last couple of seconds every time. From but, what I understand, the remonstrations weren't about the um, the the uh, amount of time on the clock. It was about whether or not it would be a differential, whether it should have been a scrum or a penalty afterwards. Well, that's a dumb thing um, to argue, man. Yeah, where it actually is, a, it's a penalty, not a scrum. Um, I'd just like to bring up Mitch Moses here because you know he was he was given the the reins recently to play as a dominant halfback. He wanted to be the dominant halfback. Yeah, he had a good game against. He had a fantastic game against the Dragons, but he followed up with that crap. You can't. I, I, I don't see him as the future half for us, especially after like. Fair enough, we had a lot of defending to do, but he should have been in there, making sure that the ball was getting to the forwards and we're running up the middle. He was trying to play too wide. So it's just I just thought of it. Sorry. Um, yeah, it's just, it was really annoying and frustrating seeing him play so wide when we needed to play up the middle and earn the right to go wide there. Um, yeah, I know no, that's... So, sorry, that sort of just come out of nowhere. There, <laughs> but um, Yeah, he, did, he went hiding a bit. Yeah, it was just, it's just... You know, he wanted to be the dominant half. He's been given the opportunity to be the dominant half with Corey dropping de- out to fullback and Salmon, who's only young. Um, I just thought it was really frustrating for him uh, for as a fan and hearing all this stuff about... You know, there's distrust between the two halves and whatever, and then we give the younger one the opportunity, and he just completely blows it. It's just absolutely shocking at it. Yeah, and that's always been one of the biggest criticisms. One is defence, which I thought's been a lot better this season, but two is his inconsistency, and he's only ever put two good half seasons together, one at West Tigers, and then, of course, last year, 2016, leading into that World Cup, and the big test for him this year was uh, to be consistently good every week. And, of course, um, seeing that we're in 15th, obviously that hasn't occurred. <coughs> um, but as we've touched on before, both halves off contract at the end of 2019. So um, if the club isn't happy with uh, his performances uh, this season and next season, uh, obviously we'll be looking somewhere else. I think we um, will so be. I think you're right. Um, all right, let's just have a quick look through the stats. 52% in favour of the Storm, all of that first half possession. I think they got up to about 65 70% in that first half. Completion rate, 77 to 73. Us having 27 completed sets to the Storm's 30. Um, and then we run, we won the all runs, and we also just lost out on the metres, uh, just losing out on post-contact, two line breaks each, uh, 32 to 29 tackle breaks, Average set distance, we were two metres better. And kick return metres, Storm blew us off the park with that stat. Uh, then moving into forced dropouts, two from the Storm, none for us. Uh, effective tackles, we were up at about 90% to the Storm's 85. We made an extra uh, 40 tackles, um, an extra three missed tackles. And 11 errors to 10. 10 all was the penalty count and one sin bin to the Storm. So on those stats, it shouldn't have been such a... Uh, you know, what was it, three tries to, to one and a p- couple of penalty goals to the Storm. It shouldn't have been that wide, and that just shows how ineffective our halves were in the um, the uh, red zone of the Storm. Um, very frustrating. 
All right. Does anybody have anything else to say on? Fuck Will Chambers. <laughs> oh yes, that's something we didn't touch on. Will Chambers three weeks out. That's um, half a season. That, that. That's half a season. That shit is bullshit. That is intentionally not just trying to ruin someone's career, but ruin their life. And um, uh, yeah, from, uh, from the same team that you know, although it was unfortunate, paralyzed Alex McKinnon, they should know better. And unfortunately, mean, and to see Will Chambers after the match joking on Twitter about it with his little shush emojis. He can get fucked. Like, I'm sorry about swearing, but he can get right proper fucked in the ass. Dude, I got into an argument with an idiot on Twitter. He's saying, oh, Cameron Smith got injured, so that's just football, you know? It's just football. Okay, it's fucking WWE. Like, what the hell is this stupid... Like, it's dangerous. And, like, you look at back, what, a couple of years ago, Junior Paula got eight weeks right. Now, I know he had past history and, you know, loading. But so, whatever, so but was how, Chambers. Chambers has how the hell does he get, exactly, How does he get three weeks... And Junior's, like, you can't, I know they're two different tackles, but his one is much, much worse than what Junior's was, you know? And it's just, I don't know. How many times this guy going to get suspended in a year? You know, like, he got suspended. What he, he did the uh, UFC grapple uh, to Paul Gallon, you know, chokeslammed him to the ground. Then he had the raise of the legs in, uh, or the knees in Origin. And now he has this, like, and he did another tackle on Brown and he escaped punishment. Like, it's just, you know, oh, I don't know. It's just... They get away with everything, you know, and, and even off the field, on the field, like it's just it's just ridiculous, you know. So, and the oh, thing is, I, like, yeah, he gets suspended, sorry for what he for three weeks. That's right. But that should be, you know, that sort of incident should be the case where immediate action is taken. Should have been either simbin or sent off immediately. He jumped on a player's neck in a dangerous position. We know it's a dangerous position. It's outlawed in the game, and he made it ten times worse by putting his whole body weight on top of him. It's immediate action should have been taken in that instance, and the referees were weak. Like, thank God Hayne walked away, but if Hayne had suffered a major injury, like to the neck, you know, and possibly retirement, like, he's still going to get the same punishment, you understand? Yeah, that's just, their livelihood. It's just. But oh, we, we, aren't talking, we aren't talking retirement here. We're talking potentially life ending or, yeah, or, or life crippling sort of injury. That's the sort of outcome that happens with what Will Chambers was doing with the neck. And uh, if you just... hear it back, you heard a referee say, watch his head, watch his head. And he goes and does that like... Oh. What's, anyway, it got, what's it going to take for, for the NRL to work, to finally realise that the well, Storm are grubs in defence? They have I, the I, worst tackling techniques and they've got to change it. Send I'd that letter to the whole team. I'd say unironically someone breaking their neck, but we saw what happened and look where we're at again a couple of years later. So, yeah, yeah that, that left a really bitter taste in my mouth. On the flip side, I would like to give a shout-out to young Oregon Kafusi, who I fought, even though it wasn't statistically a huge game, he had a good debut off the bench and looked like he is the makings of an NRL player moving forwards. Uh, whereas Ray Stone, unfortunately, didn't quite have the debut that he would have dreamed of being thrown as a dummy half when he's a back rower. Uh, Oregon looked pretty good up against the big Melbourne pack, so that was a, a little bit of a silver lining to that game. He looked small, Ray Stone. Like, I don't know if he just had his... Because his jersey was tucked no, in, but he looks a bit like a lightweight. He's more more in the Josh Jackson mold of back rolls as far as size is concerned. Sort of hovering around 180 centimetres and making up with technique and effort what he lacks physically. Yeah. All right, so... um, Shit, shit halves and... and uh, fuck Will Chambers. <laughs> that, game. that is the TLD um, W, I suppose. Too long didn't watch of the um, game, yeah. Fuck our halves and fuck Will Chambers. All right, well, let's move on to the ISP for a bit of good news. Wenty 22, Mountie 16, try scorers Bevan French picking up another one. 
Uh, Harodi. I haven't seen Harodi for a while. I thought he moved on. Uh, uh, no, his brother plays for Souths. Ah, there we are. Uh, Brown and Tudor Akafalau. Uh, well, you, you were out there, Ham? Yeah. Oh, first half, what a... First half would be the, one of the best halves I've ever seen by a player in reserve game from Bevan French. He just... He relaxed more into a fullback role. He still played a lot of uh, a fair bit of first receiver and you know, got his hands on the ball. But when he uh, when he played fullback and he allowed our halves to sort of find him a bit of space and a second half to get a bit of space for him, he was a class above and just so fast. Like they didn't have an answer for him. He he uh, scored off a scrum, which hopefully the highlights are coming up soon because. You know, it'll, it'll be on the far side of the field from the camera, but he just he blitzed them. They had no chance of catching him, and then he um, scored one, which I oh, didn't score, and he set up one for Dylan Brown, and that sh- that'll be on the close side of the camera. Um, he was absolutely unreal in that first half. Uh, second half, a bit more quiet, but Wendy didn't have as much ball, and when they did, uh, they were dropping it a fair bit. Um, I thought it was a good game from Dylan Brown. Uh, although there was a few times there where he dummied and run, dummied and ran. Sorry, uh, too many times I thought. Um, but then when you look at the stats, I think he made 166 meters. So every time he ran the ball, he was um, he was dangerous. So I can understand. I think the club wanted him probably to take the line on a little bit more. Um, so if he's making those sort of meters, um, you know. Absolutely, keep going for it. And then I uh, thought Dane Okafalau's second game in the second row, um, he smashed them. He was always he was constantly looking for an offload. Uh, he made I think he made the most meters for for the game for Wenty. Um, he was he looked better in defence. I think this might be his position going forward if he continues with rugby. And did anybody else have any thoughts on the the game? No, I was doing a business activity statement on Sunday. So yeah, forty dog the no. boys. I had got to get that bass in, or otherwise the ATO will be on to you. Yeah, I don't want to have to deal with that. That is not fun. So no, I spent my entire Sunday doing stuff for my bass. So no, unfortunately no. Oh, did you mention that it was um the debut games for Ethan Perry and Stephen Dresselham? No, I didn't. Um, yes, and I was just about to mention. I, I said it on Twitter, but I want to reiterate it here. Um, you know, I, I just I was talking to a few friends. Uh, after the game and everything and saw a couple of the boys walk past us and you know good on them for coming across to us we're we're no ones we're just fans um but they recognized us said thanks for coming along had a little chat about the game um so yeah just um all all, all the all the young kids that played so Hayes Dunster Dylan Brown uh Flower come up Drez uh, had a good chat and if anyone's had a chat to Drez they know he, he loves a, a he loves a good chat and handshake and he breaks your hand when he shakes your hand. So <laughs> he um, is one of the the nicest young guys I've met in this game of rugby league. Uh, really good bloke, great club man. Um, he's been through a long path to get where he is as far as injuries and that entire time he's re- rehabilitated from I think is it two like serious knee reconstructions. Um, yeah, and not, an elbow injury too. Yeah, he he has not missed attending a game for the 20s as a supporter or for the district reps he got out there every week uh, like I said an amazing club man really good young kid and he's got a bit of talent too so knock on wood he can stay fit because he'll be one of those guys to watch in 2019 as um, you know one of the rotational props uh, in the depth charts yeah all, yeah all of them just come up shook a hand said hello 
thanks for coming. Um, so, you know, they're not just good footy players, they're uh, good people too, which is um, really, really nice to see from the club and a good culture from the young players. And Ron Massey Cup, as I touched on before, uh, the return of uh, the, the king. Oh my God. <laughs> uh, Bo Henry wasn't enough to stem a upset win with the Blacktown workers taking out 30 to Wente's 28. Uh, one missed uh, conversion being the difference. Bo Henry, four from five. What are you doing, son? What are you doing? He did, he did kick one from the sideline, which was right in front of me. Which And, it, and was, it, was, uh, it was shit conditions for kicking, wasn't it? It was... Terrible conditions. Went to, uh, the reserve grade team missed one after scoring underneath the post. So I'm uh, not sure if that's just terrible goal kicking or the uh, the wind was very strong down there. Well, if you did see in the Panthers, uh, was it in their ISP or flag? Yeah. I can't remember which game. And, and the, the game-winning conversion from the sideline, he put it, oh gosh, I think about... 10 metres outside of the post and then the wind took it at the very end. <laughs> um, so, yeah, definitely that um, uh, the wind being a factor there. Um, but that's that's a bit of a shock loss given the workers, I think, were about eighth position coming in and, and Winnie had only dropped about two or three games. So It's it's always a bit of a grudge match between workers, or in recent times, a grudge match between workers and the Eels because of the manly sort of talent drain from the Eels oh. to, to that um, joint venture. So there's I think I counted about emotions. six. I think I counted about six on the field that were ex para ex twenty players. So from it's a, Blacktown, it's a so. big game on the calendar for all the ex Eels boys. So they might have gotten up for that one. And then into the shield, ours thirty four over East Campbelltown thirty four. Actually, not over. That was a draw. <laughs> 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 and twenty forty four over Workers twenty. Um, so. Couple of good results over the weekend. Now let's jump into the news. Uh... We've got the Anzac Day one. I'll start with that first, and then we'll jump into the salary cap stuff. Um, so it's uh, the interview regarding when uh, with Sean McElduff about when we're going to play our first game. Initially, they thought it was going to be for the Easter long weekend, but now they're they're targeting Anzac Day apparently for the stadium opener, um, which McEldough said to, um, oh gosh, who did he say to that? Raising it sports, because it's on the outline, so I can't remember if that's to, to that's actually. Doc Man says a lot of things. Yeah, well there we are, McEldough man. Oh, I never I never put that together. There you are. Yeah, you've you've started the um. The oh, yeah. Cash Money fam, and now you've got the McElduff. There we go, McElduff um, man. Um, so McElduff saying the delivery of the stadium's out of control, but for all the reports I'm getting, it's on time. We get delivery uh, of the stadium for the last weekend of April. Based on the information I've got, I'm as confident as I can possibly be of that game, i.e., the opener being the Anzac Day game. Um, so, and then McElduff promised that more money would be spent on the football department next year. They're still continuing the uh, internal review, so the review hasn't finished yet, but I can tell you the, that investing some more money in our facilities is one of the things that's coming out of it. Uh, doing a better job with our junior development is another area. It's no secret that our junior teams, the Mats and Ball, have been really successful over the last 16 years. We'd like to see more juniors coming through and playing at the NRL. We need to make sure we've got the right development programs and the right pathways so we're giving the juniors every opportunity. And as we've discussed, 
uh, BA coming in, laying those foundations back in 2014, 2015. They're just starting to bear fruits with. And just to clarify, five NRL debutants in the Eels team. But when we were talking about uh, debutants uh, last week, we meant debutants for the Eels, which of course includes George Jennings, who had previously played at Panthers, and of course Kane Evans, who had previously played at the Roosters. Um, but they were included in the club debutants. So not just uh, players without a cap before in the NRL, but also including those who hadn't had a game for the Eels prior to the start of this season. What say you, Bertie? Sorry, what? I wasn't paying attention. <laughs> uh, well, something that we should be uh, paying attention, of course, the big news coming out of this morning, uh, the uh, Liberal uh, spill. Uh, no, of course, we're not talking about that. Uh, the salary cap, uh, which is a, uh, a report from um, our old friend, Mr. Nabakov. Is, is that how I pronounce it? Tabakov. Tabakov. Um, Told him form- Tabakov. Family, uh, sorry, formerly of the Daily Telegraph and now the Australian. Um, so I'm just, I can't remember if I've got the article. Yes, I do have the article. Um, the article revolves around, from what I can tell, a former uh, Eels employee who was sacked earlier this year, uh, making allegations that the Eels had under uh, uh, had underreported or having players um, underpaying rent. Um, four apartments uh, that were owned by the Leagues Club. Um, but from what I can see, they've named players, uh, the majority of which who are no longer at the club, uh, the only ones still being here being David Gower and Manu Ma'u. Um, there's no time frame put on for when the impropriety was actually meant to have happened. But if you've got these former players, one Joseph Paulo, who hasn't been at the Eels since, what, 20... 20- 13, was that his last... 2014, his last season? I can't remember. Yeah, I think... When he um, went to the Sharks. Or 2015, maybe. 2015. 15. Um, so, a lot of these players are, are former, and you'd think if there's any impropriety, it seems to have occurred prior to July 2016, when, of course, Max Donnelly took over as administrator. Um, but it's not actually listed there. And, of course, the club coming out and denying that pretty strongly. Um, now, there was also a Seven News report later this afternoon... Uh, the whistleblower apparently is also making allegations of um, some sort of sexual, uh, misconduct. S- sexual misconduct or abuse from a um, uh, an Eels executive. Um, so um, from what I understand, the Eels weren't contacted to make comment on the initial uh, tobacco article. And so they've had to come out and uh, make media statements both to the NRL and then the club one. Um, now, do you mind if I just I'll quickly go through uh, the the members' email from Max before we sink our teeth into it? No, but of course, get um, into it. I'll I'll read it out in full. I'm writing to you in relation to a media report this morning regarding allegations in relation to Parramatta Eels salary cap compliance. Want to assure the members of fans that the claims aired in the article are categorically untrue and have no substance or evidence to support them. Since I was appointed as administrator of Parramatta Leagues Club in July 2016. The PNRL, which is the Parramatta National Rugby League Club, has been fully compliant with the National Rugby League salary cap as confirmed in the NRL on numerous occasions over the last two seasons. The 2017 salary cap was ordered in the NRL salary cap auditors and was proven to be compliant in 2018. 
uh, PNRL's salary cap was subject to a recent mid-year audit by the NRL salary cap auditors and was proven to be compliant, more specifically to the allegations regarding subsidised accommodation for our for players, for any apartments owned by Para Leagues and occupied Parramatta Eels players, there is a complete transparency with the NRL. Club has provided the NRL salary cap auditors with all player payment reconciliations since 2016. These reconciliations detail the amounts related to the use of the, an apartment. The NRL has consistently reviewed the amount designated to be included in these player payment reconciliations. The NRL salary cap auditors have consistently advised over the last two years that they are comfortable with the amounts provided for any player's use of the Para League's own department occupied by a Parramatta Eels player. Since July 2016, there has been numerous audits and reviews of the business undertaken by the National Rugby League, Liquor and Gaming New South Wales and the Australian Tax Office and Ernest Young. None of these reviews and audits have found any impropriety in relation to the EEL salary cap compliance or highlighted the specific issues raised in today's media. Whilst I accept the media has obligations in relation to public interest, I'm nevertheless disappointed that claims from a disgruntled former employee of Paraleagues who has no knowledge or involvement in the EEL salary cap process has been aired without due process or the opportunity for the club to provide its position. Today we have an ongoing dialogue with the NRL Integrity Unit and Salary Cap Auditors and our discussions will continue. I'm confident that there are no issues with our salary cap compliance. I want to thank members for their continued support and we'll keep up to date with any further developments. So just two things following from that. Uh, there's now going to be an investigation from the um, Office of Liquor and Gaming New South Wales and also from the uh, Integrity Commission for the NRL. So. Those things are currently being undertaken, and from what I understand, the club is complying with all of those things. So uh, hopefully, shortly, we'll be vindicated. But I'll let you guys jump in first. Well, the statement makes it pretty clear that Donnelly and the club know who leaked the um, information. By the way, he worded the fact that that individual would have no idea of what the goings of the cap goings and on of what the cap would have. Sorry, would have no idea about the goings on goings on of the cap. Jeez, man, my mouthful of that. So that that's pretty interesting. Uh, but aside from that, it was a pretty strong statement from Max, but we just have to wait and write it out because it was fine for the Cowboys to, as we all know, famously provide you know houses and lots and blocks uh, for significantly under the market. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, part of the, man- the Manly salary cap investigation included the lodgings of players for uh, under the market rates, and that seemed to be fine. So uh, I'm not sure if it's an explosive set of allegations. I think in terms of the clubs, the sexual misconduct allegations are probably more serious. Yeah, with the uh, with the rental stuff, sure, I'm pretty sure every club would do it. They'd have uh, property and houses there where they house um, young players where they don't make them pay because oh, that's, that's dumb. The sexual assault stuff's more important in this instance. On the hypothetically, if we were to be found guilty, I do worry about the fallout though, because if if we were you know stupid enough to cheat twice in succession like that, I imagine the NRL would have no choice but to come down you know with the full you know force of their authority. So I'd be expecting not to play for any points in 2019, along with um, you know multiple years of potential salary cap sanctions. But that's a pretty big hypothetical. Um, the fact that someone's accusing an an appointed administrator with NRL-vetted independent uh, board appointees, if I'm not mistaken. Is that right, Hamish? I'm pretty certain we had a handful of NRL-appointed or NRL-vetted candidates. I think they were vetted as opposed to appointed. So if that that happened under, uh, by, you know, 
by extension the NRL's watch and recommendation that it be as damning to the NRL and to you know the the process of um, Max Donnelly's uh, li- well not liquidation but administrative company um, in general. So you know it, it's very serious allegations. It's kind of hard to take him as seriously as the initial uh, batch of um, 2016 allegations because the fact that we you know are probably run by actual professionals now as opposed to the bits and bobs that managed to get onto the board in the last couple of decades. You know, I, th- I think it'd be nice if the NRL actually come out and made a statement saying that uh, we are salary cap compliant and everything um, that has been said by us, if it is true, is true. Like, exactly. I, I don't know. I don't understand why that isn't. Well, if, now that they've got their own media branch, you'd think they'd get on the front foot to do that sort of stuff. But even just well, in, in the media statement. branch, they did they did put out that the Paramount Eels deny salary cap breach. So in their media, um, but. Um, I think there's a couple of important things here. One, the uh, the allegations are brought by a disgruntled ex-employee um, who's now also claiming uh, sexual misconduct. Now, of course, none of us are privy to any of that, um, but if um, it comes from that source and it's only one source, I think you've sort of got to uh, view things with a, uh, a bit more of a keener eye. Um, two, there's no uh, indication of when they say that this uh, took place. Um, it could well be that it brought it was brought before um, Max Donnelly took over in July 2016, um, and from what I understand, one of the one of the alleged players was Darcy Lussick, um, and I understand that that was dealt with under the the um, yeah because the, the that, that, that was quite quite famously linked to Eddie the Eddie Obeid family, where he was connected somehow to Spaniolo, I think, and he supplied an apartment to Darcy Lussick for significantly under the market uh, rates. Because I recall reading that in the you know the widespread coverage of our um, sanctions in 2016. So when you're including you know Darcy Lussick and uh, Joseph Paul and whatnot, the like you said, there's no explicit time frame mentioned for this set of allegations. So it feels like it's double dipping on very well trodden ground. And um, I think the next one is that the Eels, uh, as Donnelly's highlighted, and uh, assuming that he's correct, and I've got no reason to believe that he's not. Uh, that they'd already been providing uh, the salary cap auditors with player payment reconciliations for how much rent they were playing on those properties. Um, now, the next big issue is going to be with the Office of Gaming, uh, Liquor and Gaming New South Wales, um, whether they were happy with that, because um, not to forget that these properties are owned by the league's club. So um, if they're paying it under market rent, um, I'm sure they would have had to uh, have provided that in the, um, the, the, uh, the club's annual returns reports, and that sort yeah. of stuff um, but presuming that's all correct um, it's fine to have the um, the investigations by uh, the NRL and also by the um, uh, gaming and liquor um, New South Wales and uh, hopefully that just clears um, all of this up because um, I can't see Max Donnelly uh, mortgaging his future on saving a couple of players what I think all up, the uh, alleged breach would be about sixty to seventy thousand dollars worth of rent, um, and that's provided it was over the last two years, and it, it did actually occur in the last two years, which isn't actually pleaded whether or not it was prior to twenty sixteen or post. Anybody else want to add, add anything? Birdie, have you got a one liner? Nah, nah, you can't, you can't muck around with that shit, man. You got to be serious. 
All right, well, um, to be honest, I wasn't paying attention. I'm watching the soccer at the moment, <laughs> the FFA Cup stream. So, yeah, good work, guys. Well, if we can take one positive out of this, we always seem to play better when there's some sort of off-field controversy. So, hopefully, this puts a bit of fire in the players' bellies for the upcoming uh, match this week. Um, and talking about upcoming matches, I don't think there's any other news to touch on. Nope. Uh, let me think. Let me think. Um, no, no, there's no news. The only one was they've they've finalised the names for um the the players nominated for what's what's that award the the Ken Stevens yeah the Ken Stevens which is um, the community award yeah and it's also got one of ours in there doesn't it uh, our Kim King is named this week yeah Kem King when does the uh, review finish for the club uh, there's there there isn't a set date um, but when I if if you were paying attention. Birdie, <laughs> Mick Elduff said the review hasn't been finished yet, but I can tell you that investing some more monies in our facilities is one of the things that's coming out of. So oh, it hasn't okay. been finished yet. Um, presume it's probably going to be finished, if not before the end of the season, then shortly after. And I think I can see some of the key recommendations are going to be investing more monies. Um, and also noted recently, we've asked for a, a, a sorry, put out a um, advertisement for a footballing management manager. Um, so the club's already taking steps to fill some of those holes that we've highlighted before, and I think many other fans have highlighted. You know, not replacing uh, Gentle until mid-season with... Um, oh, gosh, what's his name? The Kidwell. Former news- Kidwell. Kidwell. Um, he and needs plus- help, Fred Arthur. He needs a lot of help. He can't do it all himself. Like, like I know it's got, like... Well, his bench rotation... NRL... I was going to say, there's an interesting NRL.com interview recently with Brad where he admits that he took on too much. Um, so he's, he's at least cognizant of a fact. But, yeah, you get onto your bench rotation thing because I think that's a fair point, Bertie. Yeah, like, I don't understand. So we defended the whole game, the first half, sorry. We defended, we, we made more tackles than them, and we have two youngsters on the bench. They've got energy. They're, you know, they're youngsters. And we wait till the 60th minute, is it, or whatever it was, to debut. Oregon, Oregon came on a bit earlier, I thought. Yeah, and, and then Raystone comes on for like the last 10 minutes I think like and he does this every single time with juniors he just or he does with at least one person on the bench like there's no benefit to leave one guy fresh to the 70th minute you know you could be out of the game by half time like we were like you just and the one game that sticks out to us is that game against Cowboys at Parramatta Stadium when they came back and they they what, scored 30 points in the second half like I don't know if he's just lacking in coaching, but he just needs to work out his bench rotation and realise, you know, he has to use his players before it's too late. Like, it's just so frustrating. Yeah, well, definitely looking at some of those, um, you know, uh, assistant coaching roles, I think probably um, we should be looking towards an NFL model where you've got your your assistant coaches are doing the majority of the actual uh, day-to-day coaching, i.e. in offence and defence, and it's sort of your, um, your your head coach is the overseer of all of that. And I think a lot of other clubs, well, the more, um, uh, I guess, professional or more um, successful clubs are sort of running that sort of model. Like if you look at uh, the Broncos, uh, Demetrio, he sort of runs their attack and Bennett's more of an overseer these days. Um, and Bellamy's produced, you know, a lot of... Um, uh, NRL tier coaches out out of his academy, so a lot of that those assistant coaches were were doing those roles when they were um, under his helm.
Okay, well, let's talk about previews. We'll start with um, on Sunday, August 26, 1pm, McCready Park. The Guildford Owls in seventh, taking on St Mary's in second position. And then in the uh, Saturday, August 25th, at Lionel Watts Park, 3pm, the Eagles, Belrose Eagles, in eighth position, taking on Wente in fourth position. Uh, Ron Massey Cup, the Wolves in 5th position, taking on Wente in 1st position. Saturday, August 25th, 3pm at Henson Park. And are you going to get out to this one? Um, uh, sorry, Ham? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, on, on Sunday, August, the double header at Ringrose. With the Flegs, Eels in 5th position, taking on Dogs in 7th position. Now, we've overtaken the Chooks um, to come from 6th to 5th, but we're still we lose, 2 points. We'll, if we lose, we'll be overtaken by the Roosters because they've got the bye. So, that, win that's and you're 5th. Right. But, um, and, and, we and we're we, still 2 wins back, so we're... That's right, we can't advance four. further on the ladder, no. Um, yeah, that's exactly right. So, 5th is the best we can finish, and then is it, it, it's it's the same system, isn't it? 5th versus 8th. Yes, but yes. I don't know if there's any intrinsic benefit to finishing fifth or sixth in the flag because in re- in years past with the um, MYC and its various iterations of Toyota and Holden Cup, um, the the 20s matches were attached to the closest or most relevant NRL finals. Um, for I think, if I'm not mistaken, Ham, we played the second week of the finals in 2014. We held, in our, you know, inverted commas, the home final, but we went up to Queensland to play... North um, Queensland. North Queensland in Brisbane. Yeah. So there, is, there might not be any intrinsic benefit to having a home final because it's sudden death regardless. But we do play the Dragons. So fingers crossed A and Z will give us... if Well, we're going to be fifth or sixth so we're going to have the home. They play before first grade. Fingers crossed, boys. Pro- and any names on that team list that's that's standing out to you? Uh, yeah. William from Key? the extended bench. Oh, William Key's okay. back from injury. But the, um, for me, the big one was the inclusion of Samuel Hughes, yep. who, like David Hollis, is a first-year SG ball player, which means he's a true under-18-year-old this year. Um, David obviously made his debut up against the Dragons a couple of weeks back now, um, and it was sold off the bench. And Sam Hughes is built in a very similar mould, um, big, uh, robust young forward, probably got more ball skills and probably better lateral agility than David Hollis. But they're both those sort of prototypical uh, modern middle forwards, you know, big athletic um, can do a bit of ball playing and <clears throat> and got big engines. Did you have anything to add to that one here? No, it's pretty much said everything. Um, it'll be interesting to see if we do the same setup with Fanua and Nora. There with uh, last time Nora played in the halves, basically Johnny played at fullback. So, but yeah, other than that, pretty stock standard um, flag team. There's a lot of. Uh, Ex para boys in the dogs team. I think there's I've counted five ex para boys there. So it'll be a, it'll be a big game for them, and no doubt they'll fire up, and our boys have to fire up to make sure we finish fifth. And we're guaranteed a final spot, aren't we? On that ladder, we can't yeah. fall out of the eight. Yeah, right, I think it... I think the yeah highest is fifth, uh, lowest is sixth. So. Pretty, pretty uh, solid there. It's a low-variance weekend for the Eels and the flag. ISP, Wenty in ninth position, taking on Dogs in fourth position. Uh, will they have their... Um, was it Reese Martin, who... What was it? Oh, <laughs> five seconds. <laughs> five seconds. Uh, getting the, the VB... What, what is it now? VB hard-earned 
what, man what, of the match. Oh, I don't even know they call it man of the match because Aaron Woods got it this week and he's thinking VB hard earned that. Is it the unsung hero one or whatever? Yeah, I think the oh, I don't know. I can't remember. It's all a lot of marketing gimmick, isn't it? Um, but anyway, Wenty in ninth position, taking on Dogs in fourth position. Sunday, August twenty sixth, three pm at Ringrose. Um, Wenty are only just out of that 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 um, top eight there. If um, Eustace Pricks had won one game, one game before yeah. all these juniors came into the team, be a completely different narrative heading into this week. Unfortunately, um, now if we the have Bears our fate. win. Yeah, if the Bears win and Wenty win. They're in the eight, but if the Warriors win, That's they right. can't make the eight at all. If if the Warriors win, then Wenty would need to win by more than 60... 61, I think I worked it out to be. Yeah, 61 to overtake uh, Wyong Roos on for and against. So they, if they literally just not cocked up like a single game earlier in the season, of all the games that they threw away with early leads or you know just doing dumb stuff, just one game and they would have been in, essentially. But here we are. Um <laughs> So, cool thing is, lots of young kids in the team, the same ones that we've talked about every week. Uh, Hayes Dunster, Dylan Brown, Stefano Otoikamanu, Ethan Parry and Steve Dresler we talked about earlier getting their debuts last week. They've returned this week. Um, and I expect potentially Ray Stone, who's not a 20-year-old or a flag player, but um, him and potentially Oregon Kafusi to come back into the team as well. So, lots of young kids, lots of enthusiasm. Um, hopefully they have a shot at you know their own, bringing their own fate um, into play come Sunday. So that's right. We'll know before Sunday whether or not they can make it um, with right. the Warriors taking on the Bears on the Saturday. Um, okay, well, let's see how it all turns out. And then for what's been termed as the Spoon Bowl uh, in the first grade, Cowboys in 16th position taking on Eels in 15th position with the Bulldogs win over the weekend. This is just about guaranteeing who will end up with the Spoon this year. I say just about because there will still be a game to be played and our for and against is so close. But as Forty has alluded to um, in the Discord this week, uh, this week's game is worth double for and against because essentially you're um, giving the losing team um, and making up... When you score a try, it's four points for your for and against and negative four points for theirs, so it's an eight-point try in that regard. So t- starting off uh, again, we've got the primetime game. They probably thought that this would be a uh, top four <laughs> top clash at the beginning of the season. Um, it's or a, a bit, minor, minor premiership game. Oh, my God. <laughs> they might have to think about, you know, um, in the NFL, they call it flexing games. So yeah. when they're on primetime, yeah. they can move them. Um, when, you know, I think last year, I think it was the, the Packers and, um, oh, what's their name? Uh, Pittsburgh Steelers, and we thought yeah. that was going to be like a very... On paper, it's a, a high-tier game. And, and then your quarterback goes down, and you've got to watch yeah. Brett Hundley for the season, <laughs> and things don't go so well. Yeah. Um, but but this, anyway... This this game, the Cowboys versus the Eels, is like custom-built for that sort of flex system, isn't it? You think it's a top-four-slash-minor premiership shootout at round 25, uh, or round 24 of a season, sorry, and then it turns out that it's the spoon bowl, so... The NRL really should have the, the ability to, as we said, flex it out to Saturday or somewhere else, like or even the 6 o'clock game for Saturday, um, on Friday. Anyway, with the new system, at least everything's locked in, so if you're planning on going to away games, you can sort of get to them. Um, but let's get to it. Uh, 7.55pm on Friday at 1300 Small Stadium. Uh, it'll be JT's last home game. 
Uh, the Cowboys apparently made moves towards the Titans to give up their final home game, so JT can have it around 25 farewell. Uh, didn't go so well with the Titans. Um, jumping into the game, 39 between the two teams. Eels with 20 wins, Cowboys with 18 wins, one draw. Most recent result was the Eels 20 to the Cowboys 14. Remember, there were two very late... Um, I can't remember if they were controversial or not tries um, in that round 14 match. They were definitely controversial tries. <laughs> and then um, points per game, Cowboys are scoring 17, AL 16.3, and Cowboys conceding 22. 22- two point, uh, points per game and Eels only conceding 21 so if you do your differences there we're 0.7 worse in attack but we're 1.2 points better uh, in defence well, so that's a sum total of decided. half a try is going to be the difference uh, sorry half of one point is going to be the difference in this game so half of a field goal Tell the Cowboys not to turn up. We've got them on paper, boys. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it should be said that uh, Matt Scott, I think it is, is playing his 250th. Yeah. And then, of course, JT in his final game there. And then they're also getting Jason Taumalolo back off a one-week uh, rest-up, uh, which was great for everybody's fantasy teams. Thanks, JT, uh, 13. Um, but let's just go through the team lists first which I'm just bringing up because they don't have them there. Thanks very much. Uh, how about you just jump uh, jump, jump, jump into your initial thought, thoughts, boys, and I'll get the team list up. You want to talk about the team list first or about the game? About the game. Uh, I'm not looking forward to this game because traditionally we suck as the spoilers in massive milestone games, which is, is <clears throat> for both um, Matt Scott and for JT. Uh, and you know, coming off our own milestone game last week with two 100-game plays in David Gower and Penny Terepo, we didn't turn up as a team. Uh, so it's going to be tough. Up in North Queensland, you know, you're not expecting the NRL to manipulate the game for JT to get his fairytale finish, but what? given that they're the home team... You're not expecting it? <laughs> you, what do um, you mean? Just let, let me toe the politically correct line here. Um, I, I am expecting the Cowboys to get the rub of the green, as they are so fond of saying in sports. And it's going to be a very parochial crowd. So, I don't know. We're, we're coming off a game where our spine really struggled to put any sort of game plan together. Uh, we've got a young and nowhere near full-strength forward pack this week. We've lost, um, as Hamish will tell you shortly, we've lost one of our best players. So, that's you know just par for the course every week now. We've sort of had a big injury, it feels like. Um, well, let's jump into that team list now. Um, so starting with sorry, the Cowboys guys. at fullback Tamare Martin, and then in the wings Kyle Felt and Gideon Gellamosby. Uh, then in the centres O'Neill and Kane Lynette, and then at five eighth, which will be the battle of the rookie five eighths, Jake Clifford, and at seven JT. Uh, in the forwards, Matt Scott returns. Jordan McLean uh, has returned recently from his uh, earlier injury, and the nine Jake Granville. Uh, second row is Gavin Cooper, Cohen Hess, and Jason Talmalolo returns at lock. And then the interchange bench is Ben Hampton, John Asiata, Francis Molo, and Scott Bolton, with the extended bench being Ethan Lowe, Javid Bowen, Sean Fensom, and Corey Jensen. And then for the Eels, uh, unchanged back line with Corey Norman at fullback, Jared Hayne, George Jennings on the wings, Michael Jennings, Clint Gutherson at centres, Jamin Salmon, Mitch Moses in the halves, and then in the forwards, Kane Evans and CSI Avave, with Reed Marnie named at hooker. Um, should be said, it was was it Reed's debut game against the Cowboys? Yeah, it was. 
Um, and then Murata Niakore, Tepai Moroa in the second row. Penny Terrapo starts at lock with Nathan Brown out injured for the final two games, unfortunately. And then Cam King makes a return to the interchange bench. I presume that's because we need to name him because he's fit, um, according to top 30 rules. And then uh, Tim Manor, Dave Gow, Brad Tackett, Rangi all on the bench with the extended bench of Ray Stone, Oregon Kafusi, uh, Josh Hoffman and Bevan French. Uh, be interested to see if Oregon Kafusi gets uh, back into that team, depending yeah. on Tim Manners' Tim fitness. Manners hand. Yeah, that that was my tip when I did my Team West blog today. Was that if Tim can't um, overcome that broken hand, which would be probably touch and go, depending on how bad the the break was, because it's been three weeks. Is that right? This is the third week since he uh, yep. officially broke it. So that's probably cutting it fine. I imagine you probably want to err on the side of caution and, and give the Rook another game if possible. So I wouldn't be shocked, shocked to see Oregon line up on Friday night. Um, so one one thing I do see, their forward pack is probably, um, I know it hasn't performed anywhere near expectation this year, but they've probably got the edge over us in the forwards. Um, but I think our back line probably has the edge over them. Um, especially lacking speed when you look at Justin O'Neill and Kane Lynette in the centres. And Gideon Gallimosby, he certainly isn't the um, fleet of foot that he was coming out of um, the NYC at the time. Um, so well, there's certainly there's certainly chances there to score points on those outside backs. Again, it'll come down to whether or not our halves can step up to the plate um, and, and take control of a match. Uh, with the Cowboys playing a lot better in recent weeks, I have to... Yeah, I mean, it feels that's like an honest appraisal of the whole situation, <laughs> isn't it? We were good for a couple of weeks, and then we were terrible last week. Cowboys have been trending upwards. You know, can our core core players, our big playmakers, step up when it's not a case of being a flat track bully almost? Yeah, I wish I'm confident. Like, if it was any other round, yeah, I'd, I'd back our boys. But come on, you know, he's all mentioned it earlier. It's, JT's last of a game, you know. Like, you better be backing him against JT. Who gives a shit about JT? Oh, I just the NRL. What's gonna? What, who? What do you reckon the game will? What do you reckon will be a bigger headline? JT losing last game or JT wins last game? Well, so it's his last home game. Last home game. So like you know. Well, like unless just... we injure him. Did anyone think of that? Jesus. What if we go out and just take his head off in the first minute? Give them the just be careful. We, we said that we should have players go out and um, hurt Cam Smith, <laughs> yeah, that's and that's true. what happened. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but um, I said illegally. A... They didn't do anything illegal there, so... Well, that that's very true. And, um, you know, trying to uh, put the same uh, thing on um, <laughs> Nathan <mock-up>. Brown and, <laughs> and Tepai Maroa was, was put on the, the actions of Will Chambers. I think you've got to pull your head in. Uh, one was a blatant um, attempt at... Uh, crushing somebody's neck, where the other one was just wrestling Cam to the ground um, in similar techniques to the Storm employ. So, um, an unfortunate accident. Depending on which way you look at it. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, did you want to do some um, predictions, Bertie? Okay, so I think we are going to win, even though I predicted we were going to lose. <laughs> oh, my God. I think we're going to win 26-24. And uh, first try score is going to be uh, Jennings, uh, George Jennings. And uh, I reckon someone's going to get Simbin in the game. Is that an eel or a cowboy? 
Oh, I don't know. Anyone would do. I just someone. It's gonna, I reckon it's going to be. Oh, okay. I reckon it's going to be a fight. Punch on. Mm, there was one in the the Penrith game over the weekend, and I will tell you what, Penrith fans, just it, do yourself a favour and just stay at home. Just don't exist anymore. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, they they pegged a ball at the Newcastle bench. The guy got escorted out and got a standing ovation from all the grubs around. Um, you know, Newcastle didn't uh, provoke the fight. It was friggin' Panthers because they were gonna cry that they were losing. You're gonna um, click your finger, Mister Phanos. Oh, to bring balance back to the universe, you got to get rid of all of them. That wouldn't be balance. That'd just be, um, yeah, pull your I heads figure, in. I think it's time Ham brings back the podcast. I hate Penrith. So oh. yeah, we it hasn't stopped. I, I, no one's listening though. It's just me just ranting constantly, but no one ever listens. Well, we've had a couple of incidents this year. The you know the distasteful comments um, regarding um, it was. Um, uh, what's his name? He plays for the Souths. Um, Greg Inglis. Greg Inglis. Um, the racial taunts, and you know that's an AFL thing, not an NRL thing. Um, so don't want to hear any more racial crap at games. Uh, the booing of players when they're down injured. It's just, yeah, you know, they just take it to another level there. And taunting um, little right. kids in opposition jerseys. That's happened. Yeah, that's, yep. So they just need to stop. Just stop existing as a club. And everyone will be so much happier. <laughs> they need to put a fence up around Penrith. Don't let anyone in. No, not out. a fence. Not a fence. We, we need the wall. We need Trump. <laughs> we need Get Trump. Get that dome from the Simpsons movie. Put that in there and blow it up. Yep. Well, um, well their, their general manager, he's a bit Trumpian, isn't he? Um, you know, there's no truth. There's uh, Facts don't exist and that sort of thing when he's coming out and saying that the coach is safe and then a week later he's gone. And oh, that's true. It, it wasn't got, me, it was the board. It's, he's got similar yeah. hair too, so... Yeah, they're all... Yeah. All right, enough about We Hate Penrith. Um, 40. I'm going to go bold, going to go outlandish, and going to ignore what my head's telling me. Para by 50 plus. I'm gonna 50 finally, plus? Going to finally play the spoilers in a big match for the opposition. Oh, 50 right. plus. We're going looking at like a 50, 58 to 6 sort of scoreline here. Hey, um, should you thought my dad gives bad tips. Holy shit. Oh, I, I said I'm, <laughs> I'm completely completely ignoring the head here. I'm ignoring our, you know, our issues across the playmakers, our injuries in the in the forward pack, um the, you know, general budging of uh, Michael Jennings. So, I'm just going to put that all aside for one night only. Um we're going to get R18 plus on the Cowboys. And make JT feel like it's Coffs Harbour all over again, except on the receiving end this time. Wow! Wow! Him. Oh, oh first sorry. try scorer is Murata um, Niakore. You're all crazy. It's, it's been mentioned so many times, it's Thurston's last game. We're not going to be allowed to win. We'll play better than we did against the Storm. Cowboys will have more errors than us. Go we'll big, have, come on, go we'll big, have, do it. We'll have double the penalties conceded against that. You know what? Here's one. We'll receive our first penalty in the 76th minute. That's a hey, tip for hey, you. I'm, I'm, I'm tapping my temple here. You can't give away penalties if you don't give the Cowboys the ball. If we just keep scoring tries, they're not going to get any penalties. <laughs> Fair you know enough. I'll make another prediction. I reckon we'll, get, we'll be penalized more than how many tries we score. How many points we'll score? I reckon we'll have about twenty-five oh, points, okay. that's, yeah, that's and we'll that's score twenty one. points. That's. But what if we? What if we do make fifty plus like forty-seven hundred <laughs> penalties against us? 
I just can't see. I just can't see us getting away. I, I just can't see this match not ending us ending up with us having about ten penalties against us, at least in the first half. See, that's what I'm thinking. First set, there will be if we kick off, there'll be a penalty to the Cowboys. You can guarantee it. Seventy-six minute, our first penalty for us. It'll be worse than the Dragons game from a few years back, where it took seventy-one minutes. Um, there will be constant goals give pen, uh, penalties given away in front of the post, so Thurston can somehow become. He's not the top point scorer, is he? No. I think he's like third. Yeah. So I'll give him he, up. He's, he's past Johns, right? but he's still yeah, behind, behind Masri. Yeah. Somehow he'll become the highest point scorer ever in the game. Most no, his name's not Billy Slater, so that he doesn't just get them uh, recognition for something he hasn't done. <laughs> out of thin air. Um, he's, he's still buying Cameron Smith too, by the way. He's and so time. hold on to your hats. This is the first time I have ever, ever in my life, set against Parramatta. I've still tipped them in the tips. I've still put. I've still. I can't tip against Parramatta, but my prediction: Cowboys. They have to win. They have to win. It's a fairy tale for Thurston. It's a fairy tale for the NRL. They can advertise that they can do whatever they want with it. We are we will not be allowed to win this game. Cowboys I hope you go take a shower after the podcast, you filthy man. Oh. <laughs> load up on be. the load up on the first points penalty goals. Watch that. I could be paying a dollar ten. Dollar one. Should be. Yeah. You gotta pay the bloody bookies to take it this one. Right, and my tip is going to be Eels, one to twelve. You're all crazy. Stuff. Yeah, but I'm the craziest, baby. Wild card. No, that's Birdie. <laughs> Birdie is definitely the wild card. I wish I wish I could claim it, but he is definitely the wild card. Yeah, I think if you look at their their recent results, um, their win coming against the Broncos, haven't the Broncos screwed us in the, at this yeah, back end of the season? They completely ruined it. They completely ruined it. Two games against spoon contenders in the Dogs and Cowboys that they absolutely cocked up, and then they turn up against the Bunnies last week. I don't understand. Well, they just had to ensure that West Tigers got ninth again. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but uh, outside of that that game against the Broncos, they've they've certainly been, you know, as much as they have been this year, sort of underperforming, uh, not getting out of their forward pack what they need to, and their halves sort of falling short um, on the back of all of that. So I, I can see us coming away one to twelve winners, um, provided that. Mitch Moses pulls his finger out this week and actually plays to his potential. Um, but yeah, it's going to be... Uh, they're going to be in for a, a bit of a different atmosphere up at um, 1300 Teeth Stadium, so um, let's just hope they can get it over and we can um, deliver JT a spoon in his final match. Uh, sorry, yeah, final season. Um, yeah. Alright, well that'll about wrap it up, but for plugs, uh, starting off with... Uh, oh, hold on, so one of the plugs I wanted to get to was, um, you know, we love a bit of love on the podcast, um, yeah, and to, um, to Mick Adams off uh, Facebook, uh, thanks for your um, feedback, uh, so I'll just read that out. Hey guys, just wanted to say thanks for your awesome podcast, I live on the farm at Moree, six hours from Sydney, so I never get to go to any Paragames, love tuning in every week and having some good listening. Uh, on the tractor helps out a lot. Appreciate all the work you boys do, and cheers and thanks again, Mick. Um, so if you want to get in touch with us, you know, Facebook, Twitter, whatever else, um, feel free to do so. We love the love, 
Um, so cheers, Mick. And um, hopefully the, the drought's not doing you too tough out near um, Moree because um, I've got a couple of clients that are out uh, west and they're telling me that they're, they're pretty much having to sell up all their stock and, and they've hardly got any water or feed left. So hopefully the, the drought's not hitting you too hard, Mick. Um, and then jump into you, Bertie. You're plugged. Yeah, uh, Twitter is BevanHeaven1. Uh, I don't know what to say, man. Uh, I don't know what to plug. Maybe my Cowboys lost again. Who needs a preseason? Let's just quickly get to week one. We don't care. About the preseason is an, illu- uh, is an illusion, Bertie. Remember, yeah, oh, yeah. teams that have gone 0-16 in their preseasons, they won 4-0. and So um, there's nothing really much to a preseason. They're an illusion. Yeah, well... I don't know, man. I'm just, I just want one of my teams to win a premiership, you know, just a title. Wherever it's, you know, the Swans, you know, Sydney FC, Tottenham. Okay, anyone just win it because Swans had a good win over the weekend over their, um, yeah. their. Uh, my brother actually uh, threw a knife at me match. on the way. He's a bit salty GWS fan, so I had to avoid him for the day. But other than that, um, yeah. Oh, if you went to Melbourne and saw Ben Simmons, you would have saw a beautiful mural or whatever it is. You know, paint on the wall, shit, whatever it is called. Mural. Yeah, you're yeah, right. Yeah. So um, yeah, and yeah, apparently he's still with that Kardashian. So yeah, it didn't work. Hopefully next meetup we'll we'll get a force out. We'll we'll have a march. All right. We'll have a Ben Simmons dump a Kardashian march. How about that? <laughs> yeah. So over to you, Ham. Or Forty. Whoever's next. Forty. I'm um, 4020. I'm a sometimes oh, participant God. of the Para podcast when I'm not, you know, dead from work or doing other stuff that Hamish yells at me about. Um, you can catch me and all my mates at thecumberlandfro.com. We don't have a private forum, by the way, um, but we are on Twitter at EelsTCT. Um, we got lots of cool stuff to read, lots of cool stuff that we do online, meme it up and, you know, talking about NRL stuff. So hit us up either way. And on to you, Ham. Um, <laughs> yep. Uh, on Twitter at hamsandwich22, I've got 79 followers now. Um, trying to crack a hundred. Ten too many. I know it's 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 ridiculous. I, I'm a partier. Um, the only numbers I like in this world are either 69 or 420. <laughs> um, <laughs> sorry. Um, I don't. Yeah, like Birdie, I don't know what else to plug. There's not much. Everything's coming up to summer. Every spring. Can I plug spring? Oh, I need a new TV show to watch on Netflix, man. The you good know, I'm place. Starting watch... Watch, I'm starting to watch Banshee. It's a, you know, it's a bit like Game of Thrones, but you know, more modern. But uh, I don't know if it's my type of show. Put some uh, suggestions in the comments. You know, like, tweet, share, fucking do whatever you want. You know, just tell us what shows to watch. You know. I've yeah. been watching that new one from Matt Groening. I, I, I don't mind it. Really. So. Yeah, I didn't mind Disenchantment. Not a fan. By who? Uh, Disenchantment. It's, uh, it's a new one out from Matt Groening, but what it has got me doing is uh, re-watching all Futurama again. <laughs> Just finished uh, season one. <laughs> um, all right, make, sure, plug. make sure you skip the uh, Jurassic Bark episode. I don't, I've watched that no, once. always watch it. And Luck of the Friarish, always watch that too. <sighs> nah. And then the one about his mum remembering him as well. I can't remember the name of that episode, but... There's that was one of the later episodes. ones, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. All right, and um, we'll plug PM, um, Sports First Nambucker, for all your sporting gear. Um, he's got a bit of competition with those um, those uh, retro jerseys. I saw um, the... Oh, gosh, what's his name? Peter Wynn. Yeah, Peter Wynn's got them uh, a deal for like 66 bucks. So, um, Do you reckon we get a sponsorship him. from Peter Wynn if we just talk about him enough? 
Maybe, <laughs> probably maybe not. Get fun in the pod. If you don't score there, you'll never score. Can you respond to <laughs> allegations that you fucking booned Birdie, Hamish? That I, what, uh, what did what? I do you, to Bird? What? You boomed Birdie. What do you mean boomed? What does that mean? You boomed uh, him. Man, I think I it means know. like a boom mic. No. Mic drop? No. No, Birdie was saying that you got him in the podcast in the Discord chat and then I dropped the LeBron meme on him and he thought it was funny. You boomed him. Hey, I went past the stadium the other day. Yeah, I didn't realise how big it's going to be. <laughs> how good is the stadium? Look? Oh, bro, I'm, I, I, I'm having some reservations about whether or not it will be finished by... Uh, around four next year. I don't know. We it's, talked it's about this, Birdie. We talked about this. I know, but uh, no, we literally talked listen, about it in this uh, podcast. I'm gonna be honest, guys. When you talk about New South Wales Cup, I'm trying to find a stream for the soccer right now. It wasn't. It wasn't the, it the New, New South Wales Cup. It was in the news section. We talked about this. The, old, the Duff well, okay, man after, said see, that after we're going we to play the first grade. After we talk first grade, I just I, I put the mic up and. Go around, walk around, and okay. Lightning, lightning, quick recap for any fans of the podcast that pulled a birdie and then shut their minds off during the new section of the podcast. The McDuffle man, who's our new um, CEO on the uh, football side, is that right, or the league side? Which, which side is it, Hamish? Football, football, football. side. He has said that we're probably not going to play our traditional Ains, uh, our traditional Easter Monday match against the Tigers as a stadium opener, but rather at the end of April, we're going to push to have our own standalone Anzac fixture, which is kind of cool because having those holiday fixtures is always good. So that's a long and short of it, but Bertie wasn't tuned in for that. Um, yeah, so well, I'll, be April, Par- I'll be down in Parramatta tomorrow, so maybe I'll put some photos up on the, um, yeah. the Twitter and the, the Facebook. I um, it hasn't it been like a long two years, or not, it hasn't been two years, but hasn't it been like a long two seasons without our stadium? Like, if we never oh. play at ANZ again, barring the grand final, that would be too soon. Oh, by the way, I'm selling membership, so I got two, uh, one ticket left. So if you want to use my membership for the last game, fifty bucks, you get the members. Uh, what is it? Exclusive up to the members lounge and free parking. Do we have and- like, well, if I keep getting off topic, do we have like the equivalent of like a StubHub or a, a no? A, no. A, there is Which no like general think... centralized on sale service no. for tickets. That'd be kind of useful. Let's do it, guys. We can make some money. It would be, but I think um, everybody's against that at the moment. Where Australia seems to be about ten or fifteen years behind the states with those sorts of things. Yeah. It kills me. Uh, well, kills can, me. Can, can I can I finish? You know, we're, we've gone completely off rails here. Um, my plug. Paul Vaughan broke his ankle. At Parapodcast <laughs> and forward slash Parapodcast. And I just want to touch on the Packers, uh, who were up 41-14 to 14 at the top of the third quarter, and then they sort of just rested everybody. But won their second preseason game, 51-34. to 34. Um, My boy, Jake Kumro, uh, scoring a, I think it was an the 82... sweet potato. 82-yard touchdown. Um, so I've, I've tagged him as the sweet potato, Hamish. you now got to call him the sweet potato. <laughs> um, so anyway, I told you... Uh, my, my man, Geordie Nelson's off to the Raiders, uh, but very happy if uh, Kumaro can be the, um, the the white receiver to sort of take over um, his position with, of course, um, you've got Devontae Adams and um, um, who's the other guy we've got as our receivers? Oh, gosh, I can't remember his name. Equidivious <laughs> Brown. No, 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 I mean the, oh. the big guy. Um, he was there in our last Super Bowl win. Um, Oh, gosh, his name's escaped my, my head at the moment. But also Jimmy Graham actually doing something since uh, coming from uh, your boys. 
Oh, there's no doubting his ability to catch stuff, just he doesn't like blocking. So you'll probably make better use of him than we did. I think it'll be pretty good for you guys. Yeah, well, I think we're going to put him on three receiver plays and just have yeah, him. Yeah, exactly. You know, you'll scheme, uh, whether you'll playing in the slot or playing out wide. Uh, but I think, yeah, he'll, he'll definitely be a useful piece uh, moving into the season, provided he does make that 53-man roster. Also, uh, so, Sporty, you yeah. got rid of your um, your kicker. You released him and you, now the Aussie's going to take over. Yeah, uh, funny story. Picking up my um my TV on Saturday, uh, I ran in. I went to JB Hi-Fi. This is too much. Yeah, this I picked up. I ordered online. I picked up from JB Hi-Fi at the home, home DFO. Sponsorous JB Hi-Fi. I was wearing my, I was wearing, wearing my Seahawks jacket, and the guy that was serving me was like this tall guy. And he's like, "Oh, you follow the Seahawks?" I'm like, "Yeah, obviously," but I, I didn't say it <laughs> sarcastically. But yes, duh. Um, but he was really friendly, and he's like, yeah, my mate plays for the Seahawks. I'm like, he would happen to be Michael Dixon, would he? He said, yeah, I played AFL off him. So we ended up having like a 10-minute conversation about uh, Michael Dixon, which was really cool. Small world kind of things. Did but, you get yeah. a discount button? No. Oh. Well, I now you plug it on the pod. I got quality service. back. Though. Yeah, it I paid online. Do. You guys realize that I'd already put my details in and paid for it. I, well, I can't send get it back a and say, I plugged you on the pod, which gets, you know, a, <laughs> give, a million Give me a goddamn discount. But, uh, yeah, Michael Dixon, he's really cool. He can kick the shit out of the ball. Um, he literally like he literally has his own highlights in the preseason. A punter has his own highlights in the preseason. He's that good. What's his name? He is the truth. Michael Dixon, as in Michael Big Dixon. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Fair enough. It wouldn't, be re- it wouldn't be related to Penasi, whatever what his name is, Penis Hands, whatever. <laughs> Villiami Penasini. Yeah. I mean, oh, maybe close. they're like uh, second cousins once removed. I'm not sure. Yeah. Okay, we're, we're moving on to about an hour and twenty minutes. Let's wrap it up here. <laughs> well, we have to we have to hit four twenty before we click off. Four hours. We're not going 30, four hours. 30. 30. We're at we're at one twenty. One twenty. Not not three twenty. Not three fifty. One twenty. Maybe we could do it in the review of the season pod. Yeah. Oh, oh God, that's going to be brutal. That's going to be short and sweet. Um, all right. Well, there we are. Spoonball, get hyped for this Friday. And then if you're not doing anything on Sunday, get down to uh, Ring Row so you can catch the uh, Eels under-20s, hopefully locking up that fifth spot. And then we'll see um, by that point whether or not Wenty uh, in the ISP can make the finals. Um, so they're a bit of an outside chance at the moment, but provided results go their way and they can lock it up against the fourth-place dogs, uh, there's potential for them to also make the finals. Um, so enjoy your rugby league this weekend. And um, hopefully all the blue and gold uh, teams get over the line. Cheers. And the black and white. Well, you know what I mean. Blue and gold uh, <laughs> development squads. See you later. Cheers. See you, boys. Yep, see you guys. Thank you.